Well, good morning. It is a pleasure for me to be here. Uh, for those of you who may not know who I am, my name is Jonathan Neufeld. I am the new Promontory Campus Pastor. Uh, if you are unaware, we are looking at launching a new campus of Central Church in Promontory Heights uh, this upcoming September. And so if you are interested at all at being a part of that church plant, that campus ministry, if you are interested tonight, we have a meeting for our launch team. It's tonight at 5 o'clock here at the church, and uh, we are going to have a time of food and fellowship together, uh, as well as hearing about the vision of what we're going to be doing on Promontory. So uh, if you are at all interested... Uh, even if you weren't there at the last meeting, if you haven't signed any uh, commitment card, whatever it is, uh, please come. It would be great to have you there. Uh, we would be very interested in uh, partnering with you uh, to see this church go forward. So 5 o'clock there will be dinner and child care will even be provided. So you have no excuse. All right. Well, let's turn to the Word of God. If you have your Bibles with you, let me invite you to open up to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Uh, if you've been here with us at Central, you'll know that we've been walking through the Lord's Prayer. We've been taking it just phrase by phrase, looking at uh, a new phrase each week, and we've made it all the way to, your will be done. That's where we're going to be this morning. And what I'd like us to see, especially as we look at this phrase, your will be done, is to really have the big picture in mind. I want us to have the big picture of what God is doing in mind so that we don't come to the wrong conclusions. Back in 2007, there was a guerrilla marketing campaign that went on in the city of Boston. It was a marketing campaign for a, a TV show. I believe it was a kid's animated TV show. And uh, uh, what they did was put up these little circuit boards. I think they were about that big or so. And they put these little circuit boards all around the city. And on the front of them, there was a little character sort of lit up. And uh, if you knew the show, you could recognize the character and you'd think, oh, they're advertising for that. But the problem was, if you didn't look at it sort of at the right way, all you saw was this very mysterious little circuit board with a bunch of wires sticking out stuck around the city. So they placed them on buildings uh, near the hospital, uh, near tunnels and bridges. And you can imagine it would be very easy to misunderstand what was going on. In fact, in the city of Boston, one morning after this campaign started, as a woman was taking the train, she looked over, and there on the bridge, on the side hanging, is this small unknown object with a bunch of wires sticking out of it. So as you'd expect, she immediately calls the police. In fact, a number of other people had seen them, called the police, and the police shut down the city. They blocked off two full bridges into and out of Boston. No one was moving. They sent the bomb squad to go and investigate. And in fact, before they figured out what was really going on, the bomb squad had actually blown one of them up. <laughs> See, because they didn't realize what was going on, they came to the wrong conclusions. And really this morning, what I want us to do is have the big picture in mind. Don't get confused as to what's going on as we read our text. So if you have your Bibles with you, let me invite you to follow along. Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to be starting in verse 9. 
Here, brothers and sisters, this is the word of God. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, this morning, we are so thankful to be able to come together to worship your name, sing praises to your greatness, to join together with other believers. Lord, we count that as a privilege, and we rejoice that you grant it to us again and again. Father, this morning, as we turn to your word and as we pray that your will would be done, Father, I pray, would you work in our hearts that we would long to see your will accomplished here on earth, even as it is in heaven. We ask that you would do these things this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I want us to look at this little phrase, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the phrase we want to look at. And really, what we want to do is really understand what is Jesus telling us to pray for? What does that really mean? And so I want us simply to ask a number of questions of our text. And the first is really the most obvious. What is God's will? If we're going to pray that God's will is done, we have to ask at least at the outset, well, what is God's will? And then secondly, I want us to ask, well, how do we fit in? How do I fit into God's will? And then thirdly, finally, I want to ask, how is God's will done in heaven? If we're going to pray that God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven, we should actually have an idea, what does it mean that God's will is done in heaven? So that's sort of our roadmap. That's that's where we're going to go this morning. So let's begin simply with the first question. What is God's will? And I want to start here for a very particular reason. I think a lot of times when we think about God's will, we naturally ask the question, well, what is God's will for my life? What's God's will for me? What is going to happen in in my life? I, I want to know whether I should be going to this school or that school, right? Should I buy this house or that house? Or what's God's will for me? And see, that's not necessarily a bad question. It's only a problem when it becomes the first question, and especially when it becomes the only question that we ask. You see, last week we talked about your kingdom come, and Pastor Matt reminded us that we are praying for God's kingdom, not our own. And this morning we want to be reminded that we are praying for God's will and not our own. We are focused first on what God is doing. So what is then God's will? What is God's plan? What's his purpose? And I think sometimes we just need to be reminded that God actually has a plan. God actually has a purpose. He's not just making it up as he goes. God actually, from the very beginning of the world, has had a purpose and a plan that he is working out in creation. Ever since God said the words, let it be, God has been acting out of his will. In fact, if you remember all the way back in Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, God starts every day there of creation with, let there be, and he ends it with, and it was good. 
God declares that creation was good. Just think about that for just a moment. What does it mean that God is saying that something is good? Right? We all have that friend that you ask them, hey, have you seen a good movie lately? And they're like, oh, go see this one. It is the best movie you'll ever see. And you go, wow, okay. And you go see it, and you think, what was that? That was horrible, right? Their standard of goodness was way down here. Consider what it means when God says it was good. You know, Jesus says to the Pharisees, who is good but God alone? And in fact, that's exactly what we're to see. Creation was created as a reflection of God's character, his creativity, his beauty. It was a reflection of his glory. That was the purpose right from the get-go. God was intending that creation would display his attributes. And in fact, when it comes to man and woman, when he creates Adam and Eve, the Bible tells us he created us in his image. Of all that God created, he creates man and woman, humanity to be in the image of God. And I think that's, that's a loaded term, but at its just most basic, it means we are to be in a special, a unique, a focused way, a reflection of God's glory. We are to be his image. We are to shine forth him. And so when God gives this mandate to Adam and Eve, go forth and multiply, what he's saying is fill the earth with the image of God. That's the very first mandate that God gives. Go and may the earth be filled with God's glory. But of course we know Genesis chapter 3 comes. It didn't stay like that. Adam and Eve sin. They fall away from God. They decide to follow their own path and not reflect God's glory. The image becomes distorted. Not lost. Not lost, but distorted. We no longer display God's glory as we ought. And lest we think, well, after that, God's now on plan B. You know, in Ephesians chapter 1, God actually, or, uh, Paul writes that it was God's plan before creation that Jesus Christ would come. So God is not shocked when Adam and Eve fall away, when there is a need for a Savior. In fact, that was God's plan. And in fact, all the way in Genesis 3, right away, even as Adam and Eve are being taken out of the garden, God gives to them a promise. There is one coming who will crush sin forever. Evil will be taken care of. It will be gone. And so God begins to work this plan out throughout human history. We come to this man Abraham and his wife Sarah. This elderly couple, barren, and God says, I will give to you a child, and through that child, there will come one who will be a blessing to all the nations. And in fact, that's exactly what God does. And out of that, out of Abraham's children, come the people of Israel. This nation God rescues out of slavery, creates for himself, and he says to Israel, you are to be a holy nation, a royal priesthood. You are to be a reflection of my glory. 
And God puts a king over top of them. He puts King David, and he says to David, now it's going to be through your line, David, that there will come a king. He will reign in righteousness, and he will rule over the entire world. You see, bit by bit, ever since creation, God has been building the plan and leading us until Jesus Christ comes. He's been pointing us forward to see Jesus Christ because Jesus is the centerpiece of all of creation. He is this true king of righteousness. He is the true display of God's character. He is the one who is a blessing to all the nations, and he is the one who crushes the head of sin. You see, it was all leading up to Jesus Christ. All of creation was made to be a display of God's glory through Jesus Christ. In fact, he was the truest display of God's glory. As he was God himself, the author of creation has made himself the main character. Jesus comes and he displays the glory of God perfectly. He doesn't sin in his life. Though Adam and Eve, they fell away from God's plan, Jesus never succumbed to temptation. Rather, he was obedient to God, even to the point of death. And it is Jesus' death on the cross where the glory of God is most clearly shown. You see, God's desire was that his glory would be seen, all of it. Not just the glory of his Holiness, his perfection, his purity, his uh, character, but also his grace, his mercy, his kindness, his patience towards sinners and his compassion towards those who were weak. And in Jesus Christ, all of those things combine. The punishment for our sins, God's righteous judgment falls on Jesus and not on us. In one action, both God's glory and his holiness is revealed and his mercy towards sinners such as us. You know, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 16. He says, for by him, speaking of Jesus, he says, for by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. You see, Jesus is not only God who created all things. All things were created for him. God's will was that the glory of God would be shown through the person of Jesus Christ. Everything in creation is wrapped up into that that was the point and the goal of all that God was doing. So hear me. When we pray, your will be done. It is not a small prayer we are giving. It is not a small thing that we are asking that God's will would be done on earth. What we are saying is, God, would your glory be made known and would your son be loved and savored and trusted in. It is a prayer that the glory of God would be known on this earth and that we would come to love Jesus Christ. God's will is to make known his glory through the person of Jesus.
And we need to begin here. This is the big picture we need to keep in mind as we then ask, well, okay, if that's what God is doing in the world, do I have any part of it? Am I a part of God's will? Do I have anything to do? But you have to realize Jesus is teaching his disciples, this is how you ought to pray. Pray for the will of God to be done on earth. But we shouldn't think then, you ought to pray for it, but don't work at it. You ought to pray for it, but, but you shouldn't be involved. No, Jesus is telling his disciples, you pray for it, and because you are a part of it. God wants to use you. God wants to use your gifts and abilities and talents and the gifts he has given you to fulfill his purpose. So, to ask the question, how do I fit into God's will? God's will for you is that we would make the glory of God known through the person of Jesus Christ. We are called to participate in God's will. And I think there are two really big ways in which we do that. The first is, is probably the most obvious. If God's purpose is to make his glory known through Jesus... And if we are called to participate in that, that simply means we are called to be sharing about Jesus Christ. We are called to go out and to share the gospel. It's exactly what Jesus calls his disciples to do. Go out and make disciples of all nations. Right? And we here at Central, we talk about this a lot. We want to be people who share the gospel. We want to be people who are talking about Jesus Christ. And really, we're not doing that because we want to be the biggest church. We just want to have a bunch of people here, and we want to, you know what, we're the biggest church in town, and we got bragging rights. That's not at all what we are looking to do. We want to be talking about Jesus. We want to be sharing the gospel. We want to be going out and talking to our friends and our neighbors and anyone God might put us in contact with. We want to be doing that because we actually believe it is the most important thing we can do is to make known the glory of God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And we get the honor, we get the ability to participate with God. A chance to join on God's team. As He is working in the world, we have the opportunity to join with Him in that. And I think a lot of times, you know, we're often scared. We're often scared to, to talk about the gospel, to be sharing Jesus. And it's because we're, we're saying there's so much that we could say. You know, what, what do we really need to do to share the gospel? What, are, what, what can we say? Well, let me give you just four very easy points. Four points, very simple, to help you be sharing the gospel. Number one, God is holy. He is holy, perfect, and pure in all that he does. Number two, we are not right? We have sinned. We have fallen short of God's glory. But the good news is, number three, Jesus has come. He has died on the cross in our place so that, number four, all who would trust in him would be saved. All who would place their faith in him would be saved. That's the gospel. It's as simple as any child can understand, and yet should you live to be a hundred, you will never plumb the depths of the glory of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. 
We have the honor, we have the joy of participating with God as we see the glory of God made known through Jesus Christ. We get to participate in God's will. But in fact, I'm going to say the Bible says even more to us. There's even more for us to do. To be a part of God's will also means that our lives are actually transformed by the gospel. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians verse 3, he says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Paul says, this is the will of God for your life. You want to know what God's, will, what God's will is for your life? It's this, that you would be sanctified, that is, made holy, that your life would begin to look bit by bit more like Jesus Christ. In fact, as Ephesians 5 says, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God, of Jesus Christ. And in fact, if you think back to Genesis, that is exactly what God has created us to do. Was to be in his image, to reflect his glory. And so the calling for all of those who are in Jesus Christ is that. Reflect God's glory. Be a living demonstration of the character of God. As you talk to one another, as you speak to one another, as you... Use your time, your energy, your resources, all of these things. Use them in such a way that reflects God's grace, his goodness, his kindness, his holiness. All of these things we are called to do. But in fact, that's not all that Paul says. In fact, I didn't even read the full verse. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3, the full verse says this. For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality. You see, Paul here is calling us to live our lives to reflect God's glory, which means not only are we reflecting the things that God loves, it means we are rejecting the things that God rejects. We kill sin in our lives. And Paul here, he zeroes in on sexual sin. He says, get rid of it in your life. You want to know what God's will is for you? It is that you would get rid of the sin that is clinging in your life. And this might mean we have to start actually giving up things that are innocent. There's nothing wrong with having a computer. You might say, I need to stop. I need to get rid of my computer because every time I do, I'm on the wrong side of the internet. You might say, look, I need to stop using Facebook, social media. Because every time I do, all I'm doing is getting more and more jealous, more and more envious of the other people, and I'm wishing my life looked like that. might mean you have to stop hanging around certain people because they keep dragging you away and away and away from what God wants for you. To pray that God's will would be done in our lives means we are praying that God would help us get rid of sin. That we would reject sin in our lives and we would get rid of it so that we can be a display of God's glory. Our prayer is that God's will would be done not only in the world but in our lives as we share the gospel and as we live it as we become a living display of what 
God has done. And you might well be thinking at this point, okay, well, that that sounds all well and good, and and I'm glad, but that really wasn't the question I had, right? I, I was actually wondering, you know, which school to go to? What job should I be getting? Should I get married now? Should we have kids? Should we have more kids? Should I retire? What should I do with my retirement? All these kinds of questions keep coming up. And we're, we're kind of asking, well, what's God's will in those things? And again, I want to say we need to keep the big picture in mind. God calls us that our life is to be lived as a display of his glory. That is, we intentionally imitate God's character and we reject sin in our lives. That becomes the overarching goal and focus of our lives. And then we have to see, God actually gives us freedom. God actually gives us freedom to use biblical wisdom. We don't ignore the will of God and just sort of say, well, I have freedom, I can do whatever I want. No, no, our goal is to be glorifying God. And so if that's our goal, God then says, now use wisdom in order to make some of these decisions. So imagine you were saying, well, I'm trying to figure out whether or not God wants me to be a mechanic, right? Just use that as an example. And so you're wondering, well, can I glorify God as a mechanic? Actually, the answer is yes. You run your shop, your business, in a way that's uh, ethical. You're not cheating on your taxes. You're not lying to other people. You act in integrity. You speak with honesty. And you glorify God in the way that you run your business. But you can also glorify God as a farmer. You can glorify God as a doctor, as a lawyer. Wherever God calls you, you can actually be glorifying God. And here's where I think sometimes... We tend to think of God's will as if God is sitting up in heaven and kind of wringing his hands and going, I hope they figure out what my will is, right? I I hope they get it. I hope they don't miss it. God is not doing that. In fact, God is in control. He is sovereign. And in fact, if God doesn't want you to be a mechanic, you won't. God will lead you elsewhere. You know, I actually started university with an intent to go to med school. God changed that plan pretty drastically, actually. But it's not as if I think, oh, well, I could have missed God's will. No, actually, God was going to lead me where he was going or where he wanted me to go. We don't need to be paralyzed by fear as if I could make the wrong decision and everything in my life would end. Actually, we go forward trusting that God is in control. We use godly wisdom. We listen to the counselors he's put around us. We listen to what the Bible tells us to do. And we even think about what gifts and opportunities he's given us, the desires he's placed on our heart. Those are not accidental things. And so we don't need to be paralyzed thinking, I'm going to miss the will of God. You may make mistakes, not saying you won't, but in fact, God is going to use those as well. God will use your mistakes in order to help you and to teach you and to guide you so that you might glorify him more and more. So my encouragement to you is this, as you pray, Lord, would your will be done? It is a prayer that rests and trusts that God is in control. 
It is a prayer that trusts that God will actually work out his will in my life, not only in the cosmic grand scope of everything that has happened on earth, but even in my life and the decisions that I make. See, God is still in control. And so our desire is always that we would pray, God, would your glory be made known that Jesus Christ might be loved upon this earth and that your will might be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to take just a moment to think about that last phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. And I think for a lot of us, it's almost a throwaway phrase, right? It's just kind of how you end that part of the prayer, right? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? It's just how you finish it. But Jesus didn't have any throwaway phrases. Jesus wasn't just kind of being poetic with what he was saying. In fact, he had a purpose for why he included that in this prayer. So you might ask, okay, well, what does that mean? And if you think about it for a little bit, you might come up with the solution. Well, okay, God's will is done in heaven, right? It actually is accomplished, but here on earth, it's not. And so we are praying, God, would your will happen? Because it happens in heaven, it doesn't happen on earth. We want it to happen on earth. And that seems to be correct, but we're making an assumption there, aren't we? We're making an assumption that God's will doesn't get done here on earth. In fact, consider Daniel chapter 4, verse 34 and 35. You might remember the story. It was with King Nebuchadnezzar. He was this big king of Persia and, uh, or Babylon at that point. And he was the one who had the big golden idol with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He threw them in the fire. They came out unscathed. You remember that story? Well, King Nebuchadnezzar hadn't really learned his lesson, and so he was walking in his palace and thinking, how great I am. How great my kingdom is. I am the best guy in the entire world. And just like that, God stopped him. He stopped him dead in his tracks. In fact, King Nebuchadnezzar actually lost his mind, thought he was an animal. And all of a sudden, all the palace, they're all really embarrassed because their king is actually out back eating grass with the other sheep. And so God humbles King Nebuchadnezzar. And after a while, he brings him back grants him his mind back, and he says this about God. He says about God, For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand. You see, in fact, what this verse is teaching us is that God's will is accomplished on earth. His will is being accomplished on earth. So what are we praying for? What are we asking when we pray this way? Well, let's take the example of the crucifixion. Crucifixion of Jesus. And let me ask you, by whose will was Jesus put to death? You know, on the one hand, you could say, it was the will of the mob, right? The ones who are shouting out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Or you could say, well, it, it was Pilate. He's the one who gave the order that he ought to be crucified. You could say it was the soldiers. They're the ones who actually nailed his hands into the board. But the Bible also says he was put to death 
by the will of God. In fact, to use the language of Isaiah, it was God's will to crush him. You see, because God, or sorry, because the mob meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You see, through that action, God actually achieved salvation for any and for all who would come. And so God's will is being accomplished. But we have to say there is a massive difference between how that mob accomplished God's will with anger. They wanted nothing to do with God. They accomplished his will with hatred. Whereas in heaven, among the hosts of the angels, it is accomplished with joy. God's will is accomplished in heaven with great joy. The angels long to, they want nothing more than to do the will of God. And so when we pray this way, Lord, would your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are praying that God's will would be accomplished with joy, with love, and with unending thankfulness and gratitude to Jesus Christ, our Savior. We want God's will to go forward, not by people who don't love him, but by those who love the glory of God. It is a prayer that our hearts might be changed, that we might long to see God's glory go forward. That we don't share the gospel in sort of this rote, mechanical, empty, religious kind of way but that it would be the ardent desire of our heart that we would long to tell one another about the glory of Jesus Christ, of what he has come to do, and about the glory of God who has saved us. That becomes the longing and the passion and the joy of our hearts would be to do God's will. It's the difference between being made to do something and actually wanting to do something. You know, if any of you guys have kids, and if any of you can remember what it was like to have kids or remember what it was like to be a kid, you'll know bedtime is a difficult time of day, right? Bedtime is hard. You're trying to get your kids to go to bed, and you're almost bribing them. Just please go to bed. Please go to bed. Stay quiet. However, as you get older, you start to realize bedtime is a really good thing. No one's forcing you to go to sleep. You're going, I get to sleep? That sounds great. But that's the change of heart we're looking for. We don't want God to say, do it. We want to say, I get to be a part of the will of God. So change my heart, oh God, that I might love to do your will. That becomes our prayer, that we would love to see Jesus Christ glorified with great joy. As we close, let me invite the band to come up. And brothers and sisters, I, my prayer for you this morning, I would pray that God's will would be done here on earth, that his glory would be made known in this church, in our lives, in how we speak to one another, how we talk that we would become living demonstrations of God with great joy. If you are looking and want to pray with someone this morning, there'll be people on the sides that want to pray with you, who delight would be 
the most joyous thing to talk to you about Jesus Christ. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you have done. We thank you that your will is accomplished here on earth. We thank you that Jesus Christ is known in this church. Father, I pray, would it only increase? Would we love to see the glory of God go further and further? And would it be to the praise of your glorious grace? We ask these things in your name. Amen.